Father, may the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts be always acceptable in your sight. O oh Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Well, we're living in interesting times. Amen. Just heard yesterday that there's a Sahara dust storm coming all the way from Africa that now has hit the south. So I'm getting ready for the next one, the frogs. You know, <laughs> you know what is happening? You know, it's amazing. And but it's interesting times. You know, you can um, you can put on a hat and sunglasses and a mask and go into a bank and nobody gives you a second look. <laughs> but if you don't have the mask on, you might get arrested. <laughs> nobody can figure out the rules. You know what I mean? It's like. <laughs> When do you wear it, when do you don't wear it, who's contagious, who's not contagious, it's all confusing. And, uh, but we're in the middle of it, and here's, here's what you need to know, I'm going to speak prophetically, it'll come to an end. You know, Lord have mercy, it'll come, I'm not sure how it'll come to an end, I have a feeling when all the politicians get out of it, it's going to end real quick. You know what I mean? <laughs> People can figure out what to do. They've been doing it for a long time. But it's a serious issue, you know, in spite of making light of it. And then we're, uh, you know, just these times, it's like, it's really funny. I came out for the first, actually, first time I went out in public was for uh, when Melbourne had the, the, the um, I don't know if it was a protest, but a prayer march. And it was the first time I'd seen all the clergy in a long time. And, Nobody knew what to do. Do we do this? Do we do this? <laughs> you, know, you know, it's like when you exchange the peace in church and what go to the right or the left, you know. And, uh, and I don't know where that's going to happen. What's that going to end up with? I'm going for the Indian thing, you know, like this. You know, which is kind of cool. But it's also interesting times, and in, in very, that's serious, and interesting times, you know, with the death of um, George Floyd. Horrible, horrible thing. I, I, I remember I watched it the first time and I, I wanted to throw up. You know, that, that we even saw that on television, that you watch a man die. I'd be murdered, actually. And uh, to, to be able to see that was horrific. And it opened up, there was a moment, thank God, and out of redeemed out of it, if you will, the moment when there was this really united voice that lasted not very long uh, because it got captured by, again, our politicians. But Americans were united in one single word. Everybody talked would, would go, that's horrific. We've got to end racism in America. So it was a united voice. And I still believe that voice. I believe it's there. And I believe... You know, as much as that young man had to die, I'm thankful that it's opened up a discussion again, that we're going to finish what Rosa Parks started in the 1950s. We're going to bring it to a conclusion. This will be the generation that will end abortion, and it's also the generation that's being raised up to end racism and the scourge of racism in our country. And these are the young people that are going to do it. And I, and I believe that. It's a... It's a We have to understand with change, it's generational. 
it, it's, it's really, it's really ge a generational thing, and we get impatient. But don't lose in, don't get impatient. Don't get impatient when justice is at stake, when mercy is at stake, when those things, you just don't lose, don't give up. Don't be silent. You know, press on, press in, and, and we'll see victory. Um, and I like living in this time. I also believe it's a time of revival. That uh, one of the things that, interesting, a statistic came out and talking to young couples about being quarantined. My impression was at first, and this is a cynic that I am, that we were going to see the greatest divorce rate in the history of America. <laughs> you know? <laughs> Come on. It's actually the opposite. 69% of couples said their relationship is better now. That is better than it was before the quarantine. God's up to something. Amen. And, uh, and maybe it's that we just got stripped of everything. And I said at the very beginning when the, when the quarantine started or the lockdown or whatever it was, you know, that, that um, it was kind of like a more of Lent than we were really thinking we were going to have. And, uh, but you got, you got focused. And uh, I belong to a prayer group every morning. I, I go out online. Uh, and it's out of Madrid, Spain. And a thousand people are out there praying. A thousand people every morning from around the world. I went to another prayer group that met on a Sunday night in New York called Pray, Pray, Pray New York. And uh, multi-denominational, multi-racial, all kinds of pastors and people. 20,000 people were praying. And I believe God is bringing us to, to a point that, that he's going to do something because revival is not something that we can do. <laughs> we can only prepare ourselves. And one of that is, is prayer. And I, and I hope as we've been, things have been taken away from us that we can all, we've prioritized that some of those things can stay away from us. That we don't want to pick them back up. And that we stay focused you know, on what's important. And that's Jesus. Today we're coming to confirm um, the baptismal vows of some young adults. That's what confirmation means. That um, their vows were made for them when they were infants. And, um, and so now they're coming as young adults to confirm those vows. In other words, they're saying, now I'm responsible. Mom and dad are not responsible uh, for my spiritual life. You know, they're still young and there is some areas they're still responsible. Um, I remember, you know, when I was tempted to kick my son out of the house, that when he was younger than 18, you're responsible for anything that he does. And so I said, man, it's better to keep him close for a while, you know. But you're, res you're now responsible for your spiritual life. And that's good. See, we don't give our kids... I've always wondered when people say, oh, I'm going to wait till they can make their own choice. I, my kids didn't make their choices about a lot. I didn't ask them if they wanted to go to school. <laughs> you know what I mean? 
I didn't ask them if they wanted to be an American. I taught them how to be an American. I didn't ask them what their values were going to be. I told them what their values were going to be. What was right, what was wrong. And, and that's the way it went. I told them to brush their teeth. They didn't have a choice about that. They didn't really have a choice about their bedtime. They didn't have a choice. I taught them what it is to be a good person, and I taught them what it was to be a Christian. They didn't have a choice. Amen. And they do that all the time. And I don't, I don't understand when you don't give your kids choices about those other things. Why would you give them a choice about God? And whether they're going to be a Christian or not. My kids weren't little heathens running around the house till they were 13. They were Christians. If you ask them, they tell you, I'm a Christian. In fact, my, my kids will tell you pretty much there was never a day that they didn't know that Jesus Christ was their Lord personally. They just knew that. Like they knew their name. They knew God answered prayer. And they prayed. And when it came time when they got confirmed, they were just confirming what I promised they were going to do. And by the way, they didn't have a choice about being confirmed either. You know what I mean? And I think they're thankful for that. I don't know. I'll have to ask them. Maybe when I get home, I'll give them a call. You know? But they're all Christians now. You know? They're all following Jesus in one way or another. They're not doing it perfectly, but I'm 70 and I'm not doing it perfectly. You know what I mean? <laughs> so they're walking it out and, and they know where they're headed. See? They know what to do. You see... <laughs> It's a lot easier. It's a lot easier if you're Jewish to understand that. You see, when you're eight days old and you're a male, you got circumcised. You know, and when you're 13, you don't get circumcised again. You know what I mean? You're a Jew. Get bar mitzvah, you affirm the vow. You don't have to get redone like so many. So many Christians think every time they have a spiritual experience, they have to go underwater. You know, if they keep doing it, they're going to grow gills. <laughs> what is this re, redoing? We're done. That's it. And now you walk it out. And that's where, where these young adults are coming today, saying, I'm going to walk this out. Amen. And they need our support. Amen. And they need the support of our families. But I want to ask all of us, why in the world would anyone want to be a disciple of Jesus? It's a good question, right? Well, first of all, what is a disciple? Really, it's someone who's decided to live a life of self-denial. Do you know how countercultural that is? Is it? I was told I had to go find myself, which, which I did at one point, and I've been trying to kill him ever since. You know, my son said he wanted to find himself, so he's moving to California. And I said, "What if your son, if yourself lives in Idaho? You know? <laughs> what is all this finding yourself? Like, you don't know who you are? That's a scary thought. You know, I can understand you don't like who you are, <laughs> but you don't know who you are." 
You see? But what is this diamond? What first starts with denial? Someone who's decided to pick up his cross. <laughs> to die. That's what you do on a cross. Daily. And then to follow Jesus, which means not to like walk behind him like a puppy. It's, it's to participate in his life. He's persecuted, you're persecuted. He was trialed, you face trials. He's hated, you're going to be hated. Why would, why, what's the attraction to that? Why should we be attracted to that lifestyle? First, because it's the truth. Jesus is the truth. If you're searching for the truth, search no further. Jesus is the truth. That's the very essence of who he is. He's not a truth. He's not speaks truth. He is the truth, and he's the way. Uh And he's, and so he's life. Why follow him? Because he's the truth. It's the truth. Why would you want to follow a lie? Or even a half-truth. A half-truth is a lie. When you can know the truth, you can know what life is about. You see, (laughs) Paul says, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. I'm not ashamed to stand here and tell you that Jesus is the truth. I'm not afraid of the gospel, to speak the gospel. People are going to reject you. Yeah. Some people you want to reject you. You know? A man's character can oftentimes be determined by who doesn't like him. See, I'm going to participate in the life of Jesus. He was rejected, I'm going to be rejected. He was mocked, I'm going to be mocked. He was scorned, I'm going to be scorned. But I'm not walking away from the truth. Because he's the way. There's no other way. And so you're coming today to confirming, why would you follow Jesus? Because he's the truth. And learn as much of that truth as you can possibly learn during your life. And it establishes everything else on where you're going to stand when things come up before you. It'll inform everything. See, Jesus is God. But the real compelling reason for me to become a disciple, me, is compelled me all my life, but particularly for the last four decades. And it's going to compel me until I finally get to go home and be with Jesus. It's the love of God. You know, there's this thing in the church that in, 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 in uh, essentials, unity, in non-essentials, diversity, and in all things love. Well, my essential things used to be really big. It's getting really smaller. But one of those essentials, the more I'm convinced that however long I've got left walking this side of heaven, all I'm going to talk about is the love of God. See? And that factor 
comes down to what Jesus was talking about today is who takes first place in your life? Where are your daily thoughts to be focused? What are your cares? Where are your concerns? And he said, in order to walk out that love of God, you need to stay focused right there. It needs to be the priority in your life. See, God, God, I say anything to these young adults, God loves you. Know that. See, if you know that, every, everything, everything begins to make sense. God loves us in a love. God loves us totally. You know, God is singly focused on you. When he says, love me with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, that's how God loves you. He's not asking you to do something that he isn't doing. God loves you with all his heart, with all his soul, with all his mind, and with all his strength, and he loves you so much that he sent Jesus to die for you and to set you free so you can know the truth and not walk in slavery, not walk in bondage, not walk in confusion. He sent his son, Jesus. And there's no end to God's love for us. It does, it's a bottomless pit. When you fall, you fall, die, and you just fall completely into the hands of God, it's just going to get more and more, not less and less. It's a consuming. And it's that love that defines us. See, and that love is not dependent on what you do. In other words, you can't, you pray more, that doesn't make God love you. Like there's not a love meter. Like one hour of love and two hours of love or daily love. The love's already there. Prayer is a response to that love. Prayer, prayer is just responding. It's being with the one you love. It's not dependent on what, and thank God it's not what dependent on what you did. We're not defined by our past. We're also not defined by what we do. We're defined by who we are, which is an object of God's love. And that gives you all the dignity and worth that you need. God has declared that you're in his image. And no one can take that away from you. You can give it away, and I've watched people do it. But no one can take it from you. Your dignity comes from within because you're loved by God. I'm valuable, you're valuable because God loves you. You're worthy because God loves you. Follow me? That's all you need to know. You're not going to get everybody to like you. I'm serious. Have you noticed that? No matter what you do. If you're a people pleaser, here's my word for you. Stop it. <laughs> you ain't going to please everybody. 
But that's not, see, you're trying to get something. <clears throat> see, it's not really important that you love yourself. It's important that God loves you. See? You're never going to really love yourself because you know yourself too well. <laughs> how, many, how many have decided the person you really don't want to be with is you? You know? But God loves you. And when you understand that and you begin to receive that and you begin to let that happen, you can stop living in other people's expectations or your expectations. And you can love now. Here's the good part. You can love someone without expecting them or needing them to love you back. Because you're already loved. See, that's the reason a lot of marriages fail. They keep trying to get the other person to love them. But if you already know your love, then you can love your wife or your husband and not expect anything. Because you're already loved. It won't have strings attached to it. It'll just be love. And that's what Jesus is calling us to and, and he's saying, look, you know that love. You can't have real life. You can't have real life. You want real life? You know, Jesus said abundant life. Anybody here want abundant life? I'm not satisfied with just life. I want abundant life. I want fullness of joy, not just happiness. That's what he says. You can have fullness of joy. He says it gets down to this. Live in that love. Put that relationship you have with Jesus, that love that he has for you first, above every other thing. And then live a life for other people. Stop trying to get, what, get things out of life. Start putting things into life. Huh? Stop coming to church for what you can get out of it. Come to church for what you can put into it. See, it's the same way with, go, with your job. Stop going to work, seeing what you can get out of it. Go to work, see what you can put in it. And watch yourself advance. Same thing with a relationship. Go into a relationship with not what you can get out of it. You know, if you're single waiting for the perfect person, <laughs> the one who's got all the checklists, you know, that you've, you've written out, uh-huh. you probably won't get one because you'll meet a person who doesn't like people who keeps checklists, you know. <laughs> But you see, get focused in living a life for others. To get determined to love the way Jesus loves you. And that's going to take focus. That's what Jesus is saying here in the reading. Unless you're willing to do this, see, if you lose your life, you're going to find your life. Because your life is in relationship with God and with each other. 
That's the life of this church. If this church wants abundant life, then it focuses on the love of God and loves everybody who comes through these doors. Not just those who have reservations, but everybody. Love everybody. Lepers, centurions, tax collectors, thieves. You see, God loved them. God loved them. And Jesus just loved them the same way God loved them. And he found fullness of joy. One of the things that came to me, and I'll end with this because I've gone a little long, but you only get me once every six months or so. You know? Actually, you can hear me every day. I take, I'm on uh, Facebook every day at 1.30, or you can go to my page and just hit there and do a replay. Um, so I'm out there, not today. Well, I'll be out there tomorrow. Um, I was thinking about Jesus. How many believe that Jesus lived the most blessed life of anybody who ever walked the face of the earth? How many think his life had purpose and meaning? That he lived a complete, whole life. In fact, he lived the wholest, completest life of anybody that ever walked the face of the earth. you believe that? He never got married. <laughs> he never had kids. He never had grandchildren. He never had a job. Never had a place to lay his head. All the things that the world said, this is going to bring you joy, he had none of them. And yet he lived the most complete and full life. And you know why? Because he had you. Because he had you to love. That's what he's calling us to. And that's where we'll find the fullness of joy and the abundant life. So we're going to anoint these young adults with oil. I hope it gave you some convincing to become a disciple. It's worth living that life. And so I'm going to ask the candidates to uh, stand up, I guess, or come forward or do whatever Ralph told you to do. Wow, Gracie, yes. Yes. Praise God. So you know the answers to these, I hope. You got your uh, sheet. There you go. It's an open book test. It's just like, so, you know, somebody gives you a cheat sheet, you got to use it, you know? Okay. The candidates will now be presented. I present these persons for confirmation. Do you reaffirm your renunciation of evil? I do. 
Do you renew your commitment to Jesus Christ? Please stand, everybody. The answer is we will if you so choose. Will you who witness these vows do all in your power to support these persons and their life in Christ? We will. Let us join with those who are committing themselves to Christ and renew our own baptismal covenant. <clears throat> do you believe in God the Father? Do you believe in Jesus Christ, the Son of God? Ascended into heaven and is seated at the right hand of the Father. Come again to judge the living and the dead. Do you believe in God, the Holy Spirit? The communion of saints. Will you continue in the apostles' teaching and fellowship, in the breaking of bread, and in the prayers? Will you persevere in resisting evil, and whenever you fall into sin, repent and return to the Lord? Will you proclaim by word and example the good news of God in Christ? Will you seek and serve Christ in all persons, loving your neighbor as yourself? Will you strive for justice and peace among all people and respect the dignity of every human being? Let us pray. Almighty God, we thank you that by the death and resurrection of your Son, Jesus Christ, you have overcome sin and brought us to yourself, and that by the sealing of your Holy Spirit, you have bound us to your service. Renew in these your servants the covenant you made with them at their baptism. Send them forth in the power of that Spirit to perform the service you set before them, we ask this through Jesus Christ, your Son, our Lord, who lives and reigns with you in the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen. Amen. Strengthen, O Lord, your servant Jason with your Holy Spirit. Empower him for your service and sustain him all the days of his life. Amen. Chase. Chase. Strengthen, O Lord, your servant Chase with your Holy Spirit. Empower him for your service and sustain him all the days of his life. Amen. James. Strengthen, O Lord, your servant James with your Holy Spirit. Empower him for your service and sustain him all the days of his life. Amen. Henry. Strengthen, O Lord, your servant Henry with your Holy Spirit. Empower him for your service and sustain him all the days of his life. Caleb. Strengthen, O Lord, your servant Caleb, 
with your Holy Spirit, empower him for your service and sustain him all the days of his life. Grace. Strengthen, O Lord, your servant Grace with your Holy Spirit. Empower her for your service and sustain her all the days of her life. Amen. Turn around. Congratulations.